Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. Welcome back to Gear Talk. We've got my co-host Giannis Patelison, myself Jordan Budd, and then we have a special guest Heidi Allen from Nick Wax is on, and we're going to dive into all things gear care. So really appreciate you uh, hopping on, Heidi. Yeah, no worries. Uh, like I said, uh, I always love chatting about gear care, so I'm just really excited to uh, be here with you all today and nerd out on how to extend the life of your outdoor clothing, footwear, and equipment. Yeah, we we love it. Can you give a little background for listeners on uh, just, I guess, your background in some of these things, like coming from Nick Wax and and your role at Nick Wax and all that? Absolutely, yes. So I've been been with Nick Wax for uh, just over 14 years now. Um, Started when I was a a youngin and worked my way up uh, in the North American office. Uh, I've, I've done all sorts of things for the company. Um, I really, I've been there for so long because I just love helping people extend the life of their outdoor gear. I came to Nick Wax from kind of the, the outdoor industry guiding, um, ran my own little gear shop for a while. So just seen, seen different elements of the outdoor and outdoor adjacent industries. Uh, we did a little program at Nick Wax a while back that we called Gear Rehab, where people could send in a piece of gear, one piece of gear per person for year, and we would uh, clean them and rewaterproof them and send them back. And I personally cleaned hundreds and hundreds of pieces of gear uh, during that program. So I've had some pretty intense hand-on experience as as well as you know working in the in the corporate mines. So what what happened to that program? Uh, you know, uh, it was a little bit uh, labor intensive doing all that gear care. Um, <laughs> it was great while it lasted, but I think in the end, I would prefer teaching people how to care for their own gear than doing it for them. You know, I'm, I can't be everyone's mom. Uh, I want people to be able to do it on their own. So, uh, yeah, but it, it, it did afford me with a great amount of practical kind of knowledge and know-how. And uh, my teammates that helped me out at the time also were we're ready to move on from it, let's say, once uh, we'd wrapped it up. <laughs> that makes sense. Hey, before we jump into uh, how to take care of gear, just tell us, I want to know what you do, because I didn't ask you this when we <clears throat> chatted uh, prior to the interview. What do you do outdoors for fun? Like, What are your main uh, escapes o- outside? Yeah, you know, it's shifted for, throughout the years. I kind of started in more with the rock climbing side of things and... Uh, Went into a bunch of uh, snowboarding, and then in as I'm getting older and want to deal with less crowds, uh, I've taken up fly fishing and surfing, which are kind of two of my main activities at the moment. Dang, well-rounded. <laughs> well, you know, we live in Washington. There's tons of awesome stuff to do out here outside. Yeah. 
Okay, well, let's dive in. We're going to start with outerwear. And when, when we say outerwear, we're talking mostly about uh, waterproof, water-resistant garments like rain jackets, maybe soft-shell jackets that have a durable water repellent, DWR finish on them, uh, pants of the same nature, uh, etc. So anything that you're mostly trying to keep the weather off of you is, is what we mean by outerwear. Before we jump into how to treat it, though, uh, there's been a, a chat in the industry, just general outerwear industry. It's, it's not limited to hunting and, and fishing, but there's a, a, the durable water repellent finish that's on your outerwear is going through some changes. And it's because of what it was made out of, what... Um, was found out about like the chemicals that they use to make it. And so, and it's basically bad for us. It's bad for the environment, etc. I'm here to learn more about that. Heidi's going to explain sort of the, uh, the changes in DWR that have happened over the last couple of decades. Is that a good setup, Heidi? Yeah, I think that that's sounds right, right on the nose. Um, we can dive in a little bit too as to what DWR is and how it kind of helps with yes. your waterproof garments too. I think that'd be great for folks. I mean, I'm sure everyone knows just exactly what it is. Yeah, let's start with that and then we'll talk about how it's changing. Yeah. So yeah, what the heck is DWR anyway and why is it important? So uh, yeah, as you mentioned, you already called it out. Uh, DWR stands for Durable Water Repellency. And it's that coating that exists on the outside of rain jackets, ski jackets, uh, even tents, backpacks, hiking boots, basically any piece of clothing or outdoor gear where the water forms little, we call them beads on the surface that allows the water to roll off and not absorb into the outer fabric. Now, this is really important because all of those items, we want them to be waterproof breathable. So DWR won't be on things that are not designed to be breathable. So your, you know, kind of your slicker raincoats, your rubber fishing boots, those sorts of things, those aren't designed to be breathable. So they don't need to employ uh, DWR coating. Uh, DWR does exist on uh, items that use membranes. So more nerdy talk, but Gore-Tex is probably the best known membrane on the market. And membranes are generally fused to an outer fabric and sometimes also to an inner fabric, depending on the layer of the jacket. And a membrane ba- works by allowing the water vapor, so your sweat um, from your body or water vapor coming off of your body to escape, um, but also prevents water droplets from coming through because the molecules of water vapor are smaller than water as a liquid. Woo. Um, however, <laughs> woo, it's exciting stuff. Um, With these membranes, because they are fused to that outer fabric, they need DWR on the outside for them to work as effectively as possible. Because if that outer fabric absorbs water and gets wet, then the moisture vapor from inside can't escape. It can't get through that -hmm. water barrier. So basically, your really nice jacket turns into more like a garbage bag feeling uh, thing. Uh, Thing, jacket. Uh, Also... If that outer fabric is wet, it's going to make you feel a lot colder and clammier. Um, it's going to bring down the temperature of your body uh, by wearing a big, heavy, wet thing. 
So DWR does those two great things. It keeps you know your jacket from being a big soggy wet mess, but it also helps maintain the breathability, and that's really what we're paying for with these really great pieces of gear. Heidi, if I can interrupt, I think it's sure. it's important to to note so everybody understands too that the DWR is a finish. It's it's, it's not a layer. It's 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 not like the Gore Tex. It's not the membrane. It's not the outer nylon. It's literally like a chemical treatment finish that is applied to the outside, right? Correct. Yes, uh, it is exactly that. Um, and there's different types for sure. Uh, but yeah, pretty much all of it's applied to the exterior of the jacket as a finish. And we like to say it's a DWR because it is durable, but it's not a permanent finish. Um, it's not, you know, permanently bound to the jacket. So that's a great call out. Absolutely. Okay, so that's what it is. Let's jump into the, uh, I don't even have it in my notes, so I'm going to mess it up, but the PFCs, right? Yes, so that's what it is. And now we can talk about what is it made out of? Uh, So right now we're talking about factory applied DWR coatings, things that are applied to fabrics, leather, everything at the factory level. Um, So back in the day, um, what... This DWR was, we used what was called a C8, which was an eight carbon chain um, technology. And it was super durable. And this this kind of finish, it's something that was used in Teflon pans as well as rain jackets. And you might remember the kerfuffle around Teflon a while ago. Mm-hmm. That was around the same time that globally we started moving away from C8 because we found out that while it is extremely durable, it does a great job at repelling water and oil. Unfortunately, it is extremely persistent in the environment. It bioaccumulates, so that means it builds up uh, in the human body and other creatures. And when it does that, it causes all sorts of health problems, cancer, reproductive issues, the, the whole shebang. So... We moved away from C8 because, again, while it was great at repelling water, was not so great for all those reasons. Uh, and so the the industry went to C6, again, talking about factory-applied DWR, um, which was a six-chain, uh, so a little bit less durable. So that started happening around between 2018 to 2020-ish. It started taking effect. Um, so not a super long time ago, um, in the scheme of things, and people did notice a little bit of a difference, um, in the durability of that water repellent coating on their gear. Uh, Again, because that chain is shorter, it just wasn't quite as tenacious. Uh, but the intent was that it was also not as tenaciously persistent in the environment. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the story up until now. Um, however, very recently, this fall, uh, quite a few states have, starting with California, have decided that they're going to outlaw all use of um, PFAS, PFAS, which is the family of all of the PFCs, um, and they don't want to use any of them in apparel or uh, household goods, cosmetics, and so by 2025, uh, most outdoor brands are going to be moving away from uh, these PFC DWRs. And that's going to, it's been shaking things up a little bit. Um, brands are looking to find solutions to apply to jackets. They want, you know, their customers to be happy and 
and dry and still able to go out and play in the outdoors and be comfortable. Uh, but it's taking a little bit of, uh, of ingenuity and a lot of research to try to find a good alternative. Yeah. Is there an alternative yet? There are a couple, but not a lot. Um, and that's what the scramble is happening. Uh, the industry always, we always kind of knew, I say the industry, I, I mean any, you know, kind of apparel, footwear, equipment manufacturer, the outdoor industry, hunting industry, et cetera, uh, clarify that. Um, we always knew that there's going to be a move away from these chemicals, but there was never really a, a, a very clear timeline set. And so a lot of brands kind of had their own timelines, uh, you know, 2030, and then this legislation hit and it accelerated the process to a point where there's it's there's a scramble to find a solution that can integrate effectively with a lot of the different manufacturing processes. So uh, that's going on. I'm not like the foremost expert in uh, in all of the factory applied technologies that exist on the market. But as an aftercare brand, uh, we are hoping to be able to support our our brand partners in the transition. And then we're also um, excited about technology that exists out there that's free of these uh, PFAS chemicals because they're uh, they're not good for people in the environment and that's why we've never used them. Um, we don't really believe that they're uh, they're great. So yeah. <laughs> well, thank thank that is a not an easy thing to explain. I think you did a good job. Uh, thank you for that. Um, I was unaware, but I did some research after we did a little had a little chat uh, pre podcast a couple weeks ago. And so I did a little research about what First Light was doing for this. They have a new, what they're calling um, like a green DWR that's not a C6. It's called R3. Um, they tested it against the C6 stuff. And just quickly, so you can see what First Light's doing, and I'm guessing that the competitors are doing the same thing. But in their testing, it said that uh, all C6 tests were substantially worse than the R3 in water repellency and water absorption in the Bundesman rain shower test. Uh, C6 performed lower on hydrostatic head. Don't know what that means. Maybe you can fill me in on that, Heidi. Um, (laughs) The results were still high, but lower than the R3. R3 showed better, more consistent peeling resistance through more washes than the C6 indicating better lamination strength and laminate waterproof durability. Um, and that was pretty much it uh, from their notes. So uh, first light should be shouting off the rooftops. If, in, if it's, it is true what you're saying, Heidi, that it's a big problem and people haven't found uh, a solution because according to the crew over there at, uh, in Ketchum, they have a solution. So I'll be interested to hear from people, uh, you know, uh, please, you know, write, write into gear talk at the meat eater or join us on the, uh, on the podcast page in the, in the forum, in the conversation. And let us know if you've noticed a difference in DWR over the years and the performance of it. I'd be interested to hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to do a little bit of, uh, of Googling myself on this new one that you just told me about here that first light's using because, I think that's awesome. Like if we can get great performance and keep people dry outside without having to use these forever chemicals, I think that is just an enormous win. Um, so I'm stoked uh, about that. And uh, basically a lot of um, a lot of the challenge that people have been having with uh, 
with DWRs that do not use these forever chemicals is um, the oleophobicity uh, of them. So the ability to repel oils aren't quite as up there with the, the PFAS chemicals. That's why those are used for cookware and that sort of thing. A lot of um, food packaging. Um, so when it comes to finding alternatives, care is going to be more important than ever because keeping these items clean is really going to ensure that you're going to get that great waterproof performance. I mean, as you know, outdoors people feel like we just beat the heck out of these out of these pieces, and um, a lot of times, I mean, I'm super guilty of it. Like, get to the end of a hunt or a hunting season, and it just gets hung in the closet, and uh, unless it's really dirty, I just don't clean it. <laughs> and you didn't even <laughs> clean it once during the season. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> yes, you are. So I was wearing bl- pearls. I'd be clutching them right now. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I've been I've been having to wash my. I've been using my rain gear as sort of my main uh, outerwear as I'm hunting lions and hunting lions has required a lot of time spent with the snowmobile and the trailer and just the truck. And this time of year. You know, if you live in a in a snowy, cold place, you know, temperatures are fluctuating and there's just dirt and dust and dirty snow and oil and grease and stuff. And I'm constantly underneath, you know, when I roll my snowmobile over, I'm underneath pushing on it or I'm on the trailer, tightening it down or whatever. And my pants and everything is just constantly looking like I just changed the oil, you know, wearing my nice outerwear. Um, so I've been watching it a bunch. I'm interested to see if I've been doing it properly, uh, per Heidi's recommendations here. So I guess let's first Heidi start with why is it important to keep your outerwear clean? Yeah. So a lot of people are actually, uh, intimidated to clean their outerwear, especially like the higher tech or the more expensive it is. There's this fear that washing it is going to ruin it when it really couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, even Gore-Tex recommends that you're wash. They they say you should wa- be washing your Gore-Tex jacket like every month, every thirty days, and that's coming straight from Gore-Tex. Um, so the the thing is, is if your gear gets dirty, all that dirt, oils, uh, all those things will actually attract water into the surface fabric of your jacket. They'll cause that water repellent coating to not work effectively which will then make your jacket get super wet. So the dirtier your gear is, the worse it's going to work. So that's why cleaning is so important is because you're removing all of those residues that are going to cause your jacket to wet out. Um, That's the term I like to use or the industry uses for if your jacket just soaks up water, wetting out. Um, So regular cleaning, super key. I always like to say clean whenever your jacket looks dirty. So, I mean, this kind of sounds like a super obvious thing, but Mm -hmm. if you look like you've been rolling around under a snowmobile, maybe wash your jacket. Um, But also sometimes there are things that you can't really see on your jacket that can cause it to wet out. So body oils from like touching certain parts of your jacket, like especially around the zippers and pockets and cuffs. Um, Even campfire smoke is crazy because that residue will get on your jacket and that can cause your jacket to wet out prematurely. Um, and I know everyone likes smelling a campfire, like it's kind of like makes you feel all woodsy and happy, but <laughs> it doesn't do great things for the performance. <laughs> so you're telling me just by hanging out by a campfire, I am uh, killing the water repellency of my jacket. 
you are not doing it any favors. Also, I just in general don't recommend hanging out by campfires in any sort of synthetic jacket. Little flying <laughs> embers love to blast holes and puffy jackets and rain jackets and all those things. So, what uh, like what kind of a impact do you see on I guess like the life of if you weren't around a campfire one night and got your jacket full of smoke, like would you see better repellency for like an extra two weeks if that wouldn't have happened or that's is a, that i'm sure that's hard to quantify but yeah it could be hot I mean, it depends on how smoky was the campfire uh, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. um but you will see reduced performance um and that in combination again with touching your jacket or leaning over your truck to clean off your windshield i mean all those things are going to contribute to your jacket starting to wet out and not work the way it should okay and when it wets out it's not the membrane. It's not the Gore-Tex or the 37.5 technology in there that's causing it to wet out. It's the fact that your DWR quit working, right? Exactly. Yeah. Your jacket's not ruined. No need to freak out. Um, really, we always say just clean it first. That's like the most important thing you can do with your gear is just just, just clean it. Please clean your jackets. Um, by keeping them clean, you're going to have that DWR uh, working the best that it can. I will say uh, household detergents can also leave behind residues that are similar to all those things I just described in that they will attract water uh, into the surface fabric of your jacket. So put away your rainforest bomb splash household detergent. Uh, <laughs> use a technical cleaner. It's going to be way better. And it th- they're meant to actually preserve that water repellent coating on your jacket. So if I was at home and... I don't have any technical cleaner yet, but my jacket's looking dirty and I can't make it to the store to buy any for a few days, but I want to wash my jacket right now. Would it be better just to throw it in with a little bit of Tide or should I just maybe wash it on with no soap at all and just let it run through a cycle uh, to, do, to let the water and the agitation just clean it as best as it can? Great question. Um, if you have like a really gentle detergent at home, you could probably get away with that once or so uh, to get the crud off because oils and dirt are really going to pull a lot of water into your jacket. Um, but those detergent residues will build up. However, if you've got like one of those super crazy detergents, you know, Billy Mays selling it on uh, infomercials style strength, uh, I would say don't use the detergent. It's going to leave all sorts of stuff on your jacket that is going to harm the performance. So how would you recommend to wash these products? Yeah, so using a technical cleaner is really key. Uh, Nick Wax Tech Wash, a little name drop there, uh, obviously, but uh, is a great one. Um, If you do have any kind of stubborn spots or like, you know, stains on your jacket, you can pre-treat by pouring a little bit of uh, a technical detergent directly on them or a technical cleaner. And giving a little scrub with a gentle brush, I find that helps lift out more stubborn stains that don't necessarily want to go in the first wash. Um, And then you can just clean it in the washing machine. Um, It's pretty straightforward. Uh, A lot of these also are acceptable to be used as a hand wash. So if you're somewhere where you don't have access to a washing machine, if you're traveling internationally uh, in a hotel, you can absolutely hand wash using a technical cleaner to get your jacket clean again. Um, I will say sometimes cleaning isn't enough. 
over time, that water repellent coating I mentioned earlier, durable, not permanent, it will wear off. It will, from jamming it up and stuffing it in your backpack, you know, backpack straps, or you might notice really abrade your shoulders and that wears off first. So if cleaning no longer is enough, there are products also that help restore the water repellent coating on your jacket and other gear out there. So there's kind of, it's a two-step process for care, for really extending the performance life of your, of your gear. Okay. So step one would just be like, wash it and then go use it. And then if you're seeing some continued issue, then you do like a DWR, it would be like a spray on. Uh, yep. So there's different types out there, of course. Um, there's both wash in waterproofing and spray on waterproofing. Um, Obviously, we always say go rec- do what the brand uh, recommends. So if a brand recommends using a spray-on, use a spray-on. I really like wash-ins because you just do a second load in your washing machine. You get a really even coating, and you don't have to have your jacket, like, you know, dripping all over the floor of your house. Um, so I'm a big proponent of doing one cycle to clean and then a second cycle to re-waterproof. Uh, we make a product called TX Direct that's great for that. Um, but so again, always go with your manufacturer's care instructions first. Um, check what they say. Uh, but yeah, totally a two-step process. But always make sure you're cleaning before you're rewaterproofing. There's always a, a an inclination. People just want to like grab a dirty jacket. It's not working. Just take an aerosol can of some stuff and just hose it down. It's not going to work great. Uh, you really need to apply waterproofing to a clean item. Um, we like to say car analogies. You wouldn't just chuck wax all over a dirty car, right? You clean the car first, then you wax the car. Same thing with waterproofing. Uh, clean first, then waterproof. Got it. So when you're when you're doing a product like the TX Direct and, and re-waterproofing, um, that's in air quotes for those of you that can't see me, um, <laughs> is that actually, are you like actually... Is that like Nick Wax's own DWR coating that you're now putting on there? Is it revitalizing the existing DWR? What exactly is going on when you're you're using a rewaterproofing product? Yeah, any rewaterproofing product is going to be applying a new coating, um, and most will just fill in more or less fill in the gaps that aren't coated. So it's hard to waterproof something that's already waterproof. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, our products will basically just re-waterproof any areas that aren't already waterproof. So it's re-upping where it's been removed. So, I mean, is it, is that like a special sauce then? I mean, cause obviously it's different than the, than the stuff that's applied in the factory, but how different is it? I mean, you can't just take a, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a piece of a gear that doesn't have a DWR, but I mean, Cotton t-shirt is a bad example because obviously that's never going to be water repellent. But uh, what's out there that could be kind of water repellent? And then could you make it have a DWR by just washing it in TX Direct? Yeah, actually, we we have a bunch of different waterproofing products. Um, We can make things water repellent that aren't. Uh, We actually have a product called Cotton Proof that you can use on your cotton items. Um, It will make them water repellent. It won't turn your t-shirt into a rain jacket. I mean, the weave is really pretty, it's much uh, looser. Like rain jackets, the weave of those are super tight. Um, a cotton t-shirt, you know, water droplets can go through the weave of those. But we can make the, the fibers themselves water repellent. 
Uh, we can make polar fleece. You can waterproof your polar fleece. Um, and you can apply it to something that, you know, has a very light water repellency, like a windbreaker. Um, a lot of people like to go to, you know, thrift stores and buy those crazy old like, 80s ski jackets that really <laughs> don't have any water repellency on them anymore. And you can totally re-up those as well. Hmm. And when you're at the point of re-upping your DWR, are you expecting to get like a week of solid use out of out of a out of a of a coating, or could it go a, a a month and be like a whole hunting season from one use? Well, my my favorite, and everyone else's least favorite answer is it depends on use. It depends how much sure. you're using your gear. So um, basically, I would I'd say you'd like to rewaterproof at least once a season if you're looking to really maintain dependable performance. However, if you're getting out like both days a weekend, every weekend, sometimes on the weekdays throughout a season, you might need to do a little more often than that. Uh, if you're a power user, you're going to need to use more product to stay dry out there because you're just, you know, putting your gear through the ringer. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally a good kind of baseline, as we like to say, clean a couple times a season, rewaterproof once a season. And if unless you're like a super hardcore individual, which maybe a lot of listeners here are, uh, that, that'll probably do you just fine. Oh yeah, we got nothing but uh, hardcores that listen to this show. Uh, <laughs> then uh, weekly? No, just kidding. Don't. <laughs> be, be, before we get to down, one last question on dr- drying, because I think that there's mm-hmm. there's also some myths and and wives' tales surrounding drying of this outerwear. Uh, can you talk about the do's and don'ts there? Yeah. So there's a lot of myths, as you say, around drying, and some of them are based in fact. Um, basically, all of those factory applied DWRs, the C8s, the C6s, um, are, are heat activated DWR. So sometimes just by cleaning your jacket and chucking it in the dryer, you can revitalize that DWR. It kind of respreads it around on the surface of the fabric. Um, that said, that will only do that only you know last for so long until you actually need to apply more water repellency to the jacket. Um, the other thing I will say, and I said it earlier, but always check the manufacturer's instructions when it comes to drying. Certain types of jackets, like Gore-Tex jackets, Gore-Tex is like, yes, throw it in the dryer. Gore-Tex loves being chucked in the dryer. There are other membranes on the market that don't like heat. Uh-huh. So make sure that you're really paying attention to, again, those care instructions on the jacket when it comes to drying, especially. Um, a benefit of Nick Wax, we've never used any PFCs, any of the, any of those uh, C8s or C6s um, in our products. So ours don't need heat to activate. So if you don't have a dryer handy, you don't need to chuck a Nick Wax treated jacket in the dryer to make the water repellent coating work. That's interesting because like, usually I try to lean to like air dry. So that might not even like air drying might not be great for it. Like it just won't be if depending what it is, if it's a Gore-Tex jacket, it's not going to be like heating that up and spreading it out. Is that right? Yeah, but if you're using if you're using a Nick Wax waterproofer to rewaterproof, you don't need heat. So you can absolutely air dry and that's totally gotcha. fine. Um but yeah, I think the main the main point is to follow the care instructions when it comes to drying. That's the that's the critical piece. And if you know, it's nice if you don't have a dryer to be able to air dry something mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. have it still work. 
Yeah, I believe First Light says tumble dry low, if I'm not mistaken. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, Down. Because uh, Down's got... That Down can be tricky, right? Because the, a lot of Down jackets have a little bit of a DWR on the outside, but yet you don't want to get your Down all glommed up with stuff that makes it not fluff up. So how, what's what's proper care for Down? Yeah. So it's actually a very similar story to your outerwear. Clean it. Make sure you're cleaning it regularly. Uh, Dirt and body oils can get on the down feathers themselves uh, over time, and that will cause your jacket to lose loft. Um, Also, if the outer surface of your jacket starts wetting out and the water gets through to your down, we all know down doesn't work when it gets wet. So that's going to cause your down jacket to not perform the way you want at all. So cleaning it regularly Super important for maintaining the the coating on the outside, but also to keeping the feathers nice and fluffy. Using a technical cleaner is key because household detergents are really harsh and can strip the down of some of their natural oils and things, causing them to get really brittle and break and kind of break down prematurely. So using a proper cleaning product, back to that again, is key. I will say... You can re- you can add water repellency to a down jacket. There are a lot of um, uh, hydrophobic, waterproof down products on the market. Um, but if you have a down jacket at home that the outer fabric is starting to wet out, um, well, Nick Wax makes a product called Down Proof that you can actually wash in and it'll re-waterproof the outer fabric of the jacket as well as add water repellency to the individual down plumes. Uh, helping to make that jacket repel as much water as possible so you maintain loft and stay toasty. I'm getting a long list going here of uh, Nick Wax products <laughs> that I have to go buy, Heidi. <laughs> um, uh, Heidi, what you just said on those down jackets, that also applies to like sleeping bags, right? Absolutely, yes. Sorry, yeah. I, use, I use jackets no, as a generalized term. But yeah, totally on sleeping bags too. Yeah, especially if you're like sleeping in them without mini clothes on like there's a lot of skin contact seems like that's where you get a lot of oils that uh yeah could build up yeah exactly um we definitely if you're able using a sleeping bag liner is great to help prevent that um, but i know a lot of people you know going ultra light sleeping bag liners are a little bit uh an opposite ethos to that um it's also i'd say for sleeping bags it's really nice to have a waterproof down sleeping bag because when you're sleeping you are like your body is is exuding a lot of moisture vapor, but if it's really cold mm-hmm. outside, once that goes through the sleeping bag and hits the outer surface, it condenses. And so if your sleeping bag outer fabric is no longer waterproof, it's going to soak in and then soak into the down, and then it's you're going to lose a bit of loft and you're going to be chilly. So it's, it's helpful for especially really cold conditions where you're going to get that kind of dew point difference between the sleeping bag and the air. But that happens all no, no matter if it's cold out there or not. You're constantly when you're sleeping in a bag, you're producing your body's producing some kind of a moisture vapor, and it's moving into the down. And if like it's not your down bag is never as fluffy the seventh day of a trip as it is the first day, right? No, no, uh, but. By making sure that it is at least waterproof before or water repellent before the start of your trip, you can help prevent your down from absorbing as much of that water as it would normally. 
And so it's going to dry out a lot faster so that the next day it's not still damp and soggy and uncomfortable. just going to say it's the same as the above, Heidi, but uh, <laughs> give give us the why. Why are dirty boots bad? Uh, a couple of reasons. Uh, the first, actually, with dirty boots is it can get into, especially with leather, but even with fabric, dirt can kind of get into the fibers of the boot when you're walking because you get a lot of kind of friction um, with the bending of the boot and can cause your boot to break down prematurely. Also, if, again, really... A sp- really with leathers especially, but if you leave dirt and mud to just dry out on your leather boots, it's going to cause that leather to dry out prematurely. And that's when you get cracking in your leather boots. So by keeping them clean, you're just making sure that they have the best chance to last as long as possible and not get dried out and cracked and busted up before they need to. And is that dried dirt or, or mud doing that? Is it like an osmosis kind of thing? Because it's just like a dry cookie sitting on top of that nice oiled leather and it just slowly just sucks the oil out of the leather? Yeah, it just kind of yeah, just dries on there. And when it's doing that, it's pulling some of the moisture out of the leather at the same time. It's another, another reason you wouldn't want to, we don't recommend, I would say, uh, don't dry your footwear out in the blazing sun and, or don't like stick them under your wood stove to dry them out or right next to the heater because that heat is going to dry out the leather prematurely. I mean, obviously not under the wood stove, it'll melt, but heat is not always your friend when it comes to keeping your boots clean and dry. Yeah. It can make them shrink too. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. I lost i I'm not going <laughs> to mention the name cause I think I, I think I warranted them. I think they took care of me, but <laughs> I had a brand new pair of high dollar boots and I, I dried them out next to a wood stove and basically the glue on the toe cap just totally melted and collapsed and the boots, I don't know, were at least two sizes smaller than before I dried them out. And uh, I literally couldn't even wear them. And uh, luckily the company uh, took my mistake uh, in their budget and they were cool and hooked me up. But anyways, yeah, don't do that. Um, What else was I going to say about... uh, Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you, what about those, uh, like the inverted Pete's dryer type things that you plug in? They don't really have a fan in them, but they just sort of slowly circulate air. You know what I'm talking about for drying boots? I think so. I think we have a pair here on my husband's dirt bikes and we use it for drying out uh, like the, his dirt biking boots, but it's it's on the inside as opposed to the outside. Yeah. So yep. that's, I think that's a better solution really because the inside can harbor a lot of moisture uh, in where you don't want it to be. Um, so I think by drying from the inside, it's probably a better choice because um, you're not applying heat directly to the outer material. And those tend to be a kind of a gentler, more of a blowing sort of dryer and not like a, again, like a radiator or wood stove. So it's going to be more, uh, more of a mellow heat that way. Got it. Okay. So how do you clean dirty boots? Yeah. So I I always make sure if they're like super muddy, uh, you know, super self-explanatory, I'd hope, you know bang them off outdoors, brush them off outdoors first. Um, Usually when you're cleaning boots, you're going to be doing it in your sink. 
Um, if you can do it outside over a bin, that's great too. Um, but try to get as much dirt off uh, before you start cleaning, if possible. Get even, you know, you can use like a a pick or a brush to get it out of the soles too, just so you're not muddying up your cleaning water or your sink. Um, with cleaning all types of footwear, um, we talked about technical cleaners with rain jackets and down jackets and sleeping bags and all those things. If you want your footwear to have a functional water repellent coating, so again, we're talking about waterproof, breathable footwear, you should be using a technical cleaner on your footwear. So there's a bunch available on the market. We make a product called Footwear Cleaning Gel. It has comes a little scrubber brush attached to it. You just basically get your boot wet. You scrub all over the boot, getting all of the dirt and stuff off of it, and then give it a rinse. I like to take the laces out of any boots first um, because sometimes a lot of dirt will collect in the tongue, especially if you have like a gusseted tongue on your boot. So just making sure you get all the different spots of your boots clean to make sure it doesn't break down prematurely uh, in a sneaky spot that you missed. Um, yeah, and then let them air dry naturally. Um, and that's just, It's pretty straightforward. I like to stuff the insides with like some paper towel or, you know, if you're feeling environmentally friendly, you could use a couple rags uh, just to help pull any moisture that may have gotten in there during the cleaning process out more quickly. Okay, so when I come home, I thought you would be impressed about my little boot cleaning kit, but I don't have actual <laughs> soap. I just have a brush. I just brush and water. But you're saying I, I should add a some kind of a cleaning agent to probably get the dirt that I can't see off of my leather. Yeah, it's going to be kind of like, uh, again, like the rain jackets. But if you're, especially if you're noticing that your boots aren't uh, repelling water effectively anymore, that's really when you're going to want to use the cleaner. I mean, sometimes we all just want our boots to, you know, not be dirty from time to time. Sometimes it's a badge of honor and I get that too. But uh, <laughs> look at how dirty my boots are. Um, it's sometimes I'll just do a little quick cleaning without the, without the soap just to make them look a little spiffy. But the soap is really key to maintaining that water repellent finish on the outside. Okay, so the soap is not only cleaning, it's also adding uh, uh, water repellency. No, it's just removing any residues that are a little bit more stubborn that just water isn't going to get off. So if there's any yeah, okay. or oils or stubborn dirts, it's going to remove those so that the water repellent coating can work the way it's intended to do. Got it. Okay, well now my boots have been wet and dried and wet and dried so much that they're they just they don't have that nice sheen of a nice oiled boot anymore so how how do you get them back in action yeah you can re-waterproof them um and they're for leather there's a ton of products out there on the market and everyone has their own preference about what product to use um we make a product called waterproofing wax for leather uh, that's great for all sorts of full grain leather boots and gloves um and it maintains the tanning agents of the boot so that they don't dry out, but it doesn't over soften. So some products on the market add great water pelancy, but they will soften the leather over time. Um, other products that people really love, which again, that's totally cool if that's what you're into, but do contain a lot of animal products, which there's nothing wrong with that, especially with this audience. But uh, what it can do is it can lead to um, mildew. Um, as well as, uh, well, and this is a kind of an extreme situation, but I've had this happen where I left an item out, you know, in the gear barn. And if you put products that contain animal products on items, occasionally 
small creator, creators, creatures can get in and nibble on them because it tastes tasty. So hmm. really depends That's on what you want to use. Um, I don't, I'm not going to preach too much more about one being better than the other, but uh, the important thing is you're going to use something that, like you said, really maintains the, um, the suppleness of the leather so they don't prematurely dry and crack. Um, we do, there are other waterproofing products for all types of footwear as well. So even if your boots aren't made out of leather, which less and less boots are, it's more of like a fabric and leather combination or an all fabric. There are products out there that will add water repellency back to those types of footwear as well so that your boot can be nice and breathable. Got it. So a lot of these products are like what you see, you know, if you go to a certain boot manufacturer, they'll often try to sell you like just a little, uh, little like a little can of cream. That's just like, they call it like a, trying to think usually it's not like a waterproof they don't sell it as a waterproofing deal it's just a conditioner and that's basically the same thing you're talking about right there is yeah so conditioners are great for preventing your leather boots from drying out and cracking the challenge with overusing conditioners is they can soften over soften the leather of your boot which can compromise the support so it's important to keep them waterproof because if a boot is wet all the time and then dries and wet and dries like we talked about it will mm-hmm. prematurely dry out. So by keeping it nice and waterproof, it'll help protect the boot. So I'd always recommend a waterproofer, using a waterproofer more often. Conditioning is great for if you're breaking in a boot or if you have a boot that's kind of a little bit old and tired and starting to get a little bit dry looking, then a yeah. conditioner is going to like revitalize it a bit more. But otherwise, I'd stick to a straight waterproofer so you don't over soften the leather and make your boots all floppy. Gotcha. Okay. Um, what about... Some of these organic ingredients, like folks talking about just using regular fat, which basically gets into talking about, I mean, the animal products that you just talked about and how they can be bad. Um, and then yeah. like beeswax as well. Yeah, different. There's different types of, of products on the market. Sometimes if it's something that's too wax based, it just it, it is more of a straight coating, which can compromise the breathability of an item. Um and we talked about the challenge with fats and things. Again, makes yeah. them attractive to be nibbled on. They can get rancid. Um, and then I'd always, well, it depends on how you treat your boots. Some people will wear their boots out, the wear all the soles out long before they wear out the uppers. Mm-hmm. And if that's kind of more your style, I would always check with a cobbler about what products to use because there are certain waterproofing products on the market that make it so you can't resole certain types of boots. So if you're the sort of person that's hard on the soles of your boots, but like really do a good job preserving the uppers and you want to get your boots resold, which is a great thing to do because uh, it makes them last a lot longer and, you're, you know, the tops are already broken in. Uh, I would check with a cobbler because they're going to have great um, insight as to what products to use so that you don't make it so you can't resole your boots. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, next up, like still keeping on the, the boots train, uh, we've been talking about leather boots mostly, but what about synthetic boots? Yeah, so uh, as long as it's something that's still designed to be um, breathable, you're going to want to maintain the DWR coating on the outside the same way. Um, so there are products that exist on the market to do that. You still want to clean it first. Um, and then you can use a, a spray-on waterproofer. Uh, we make a product called Fabric and Leatherproof, which is great for all types of fabric, synthetic cotton and then a fabric and leather combination um and that'll just again add that water repellency back to the outside of the boot 
so it can breathe from the inside out. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. Well, uh, I think we went through that pretty good. Uh, we always like to, to, in the ending of our podcast, give listeners like some really good, hard, like hot tips that they can take away from this. Um, is there any like really hot tips for gear care that you can give listeners as a takeaway? Yeah. I mean, hot tips. I love it. Um, <laughs> so a couple ones, one maybe is really obvious, but always put your gear away clean. Like never put your gear away dirty if you can avoid it. Um, a lot of times if you put, especially jackets or anything that touches your skin where you've sweat into it, if you put it away dirty, all of your sweat and body oils will actually attract bacteria to your gear. And that bacteria can prematurely break down uh, the interior, the linings of your jacket, and that can cause delamination a lot faster, uh, which is not what you want. So put your gear away clean, everybody. Super important. Um, the second, my second hot tip, which I, I try to tell everyone and I try I tell myself, even though sometimes I forget, uh, always check the pockets of your gear before you clean it. So you're not chucking your, you know, $400 Gore-Tex jacket in the washing machine with a tube of chapstick and a half-eaten uh, cliff bar uh, <laughs> causing mayhem in your washing machine. Um, check the pockets. Same thing with putting away, again, backpacks and things. Check the pockets. I once, and I'm sorry, I'm throwing a cliff bar under the bus here, but I left one in the uh, side pocket of my backpacking backpack and it absolutely gotten eaten, got eaten, chewed up the whole bag because um, it tasted delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Some little creature. So check the pockets. Number one tip. Perfect. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks again, thanks, Heidi, Heidi. For, for hopping on. Really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for, for listening to all my tips. And uh, if, if you all have any questions, of course, I'm available and happy to chat more. Oh.